My name is Dr. Ben Dale, and I have a fear of retirement. Well, welcome back in, everyone. This is uh, the sixth installment of season one of Fear of Retirement. And it's been quite a while since I've recorded an episode. Even though you can hear these one after another, uh, there's been uh, two, two and a half months past since I last sat down and talked to everyone, talked to you guys. And a lot's happened. And, and some of it was by accident. Some of it was by design. I wanted to let some time pass to, to have some to report about the first six months of my retirement. And the summary is retirement's pretty great. Um, there's a, a lot of peace and a lot of freedom that you have that you don't have when you're clocking in and out every day. And as long as you are in a living situation that's uh, acceptable to you, retirement can be a pretty great thing. But there are some drawbacks, and I'd like to talk about it today with you. Um, I want to start out, well, what made me sit down and, and record today was uh, something that happened in the world of sports. Uh, recently, Tom Brady retired, and then unretired, and then retired, and then unretired. And um, on social media, I saw... An interview with Michael Irvin. Now I'm a Cowboys fan, and if if you're still listening, if that didn't make you uh, turn this podcast off or click to somebody else, if you can accept the fact that I'm a Cowboys fan and we can still be friends, um, anything Michael Irvin says I find fascinating. Uh, that you know he's in that in that um, middle era of a Cowboy folklore. Uh, I'm a Staubach fan for sure. Uh, Drew Pearson, Preston Pearson, Robert Newhouse, Tony Dorsett, uh, Bob Lilly, Leroy Jordan, Too Tall, Harvey Martin. Just, you know, that that was my kid era. And then the middle era, my college era, of course, was Aikman and Smith and Michael Irvin on the offensive side. And... Uh, and so anything uh, Michael Irvin says, I, I kind of stop and listen. I find him funny, and and he's smart. He was he was, uh, you know, he knows the game very well, and know, uh, knows not only the game of football but the business of football very well. And and he was, uh, I think it was the Rich Eisen show. He was talking about Tom Brady's retirement, and because of you know my fixation on being retired and the dynamics of that. I uh, was really interested in what Michael Irvin had to say. And and it was funny. He said that before you retire, your idea of retirement is a figment of your imagination. In fact, actually what he said is a figmentation of your imagination. But that's what makes Michael Irvin great. I'm not sure figmentation is a word, but uh, he made it work. And he's, anyway, what he meant to say, it's a figment of your imagination, how you perceive retirement. So... You know, there are some who uh, dream about retirement. It's going to be this great experience where I'm going to move off the grid and I'm going to uh, grow a 
grow soybean crops and churn my own butter and sit on the porch with a cup of coffee and watch every sunrise and sunset. And, you know, just, you know, you dream of this simple pastoral sort of life. And um, that's what some people look at. And as I've admitted, I didn't, the figmentation of my imagination about retirement was more of of doom and gloom. Like I, I didn't, I, I didn't imagine retirement as this, you know, great pastoral poetic setting off the grid where I can live off the land and do what I want and live out my days in relative peace from the melee of life. I didn't see it that way. I saw it as incredibly boring and, um, you know, bone chilling, death inspiring. You know, my, my outlook of retirement was not rosy. And so, you know, Michael, from Michael Irvin's perspective, he he sees Tom Brady as seeing retirement as, you know, this this wonderful next phase of life that is uh, very relaxing. I think you mentioned something about sitting around the house and enjoying life. And, you know, he, he, he laughingly talks about what Tom Brady's going through and that he has to, quote unquote, work his way back into the house. And he talks about Tom being the boss of all bosses in his job. And he goes from being boss to quote, being bossed. And, uh, and, and Michael Irvin has some fun with that and talks about his own experience where when he retired, his wife asked him to take out the trash. And he said, you want these hands to take out the trash? And he, he says, quote, these hands brought us out of the ghetto and you want me to now use these hands to take out the trash. Now, you know, of course, he's joking about that, but the metaphor is meaningful in that you do go from, you know, these hands doing meaningful work to suddenly not having what you've spent a long time doing with that meaningful work and with these hands. And now you've got to find something else to, you know, occupy your time. And, and I think that that's a very valuable game uh, uh, point. Michael Irvin talks about how hard it is to leave the game, which, of course, he's talking about football. But in the metaphor of things, I can identify it is hard to leave the game. And regardless of, of the perception of others, because in, your, in the game, when you're in the game, if you do it at a high level, you're going to have a percentage that think, that you're great and a percentage that think you're a bum. You know, Tom Brady, he's the greatest there ever was. I mean, I'm a Cowboys fan through and through, but every fan of every ilk of the game of football says and realizes and admits, unless they're a complete moron, that Tom Brady's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. And and regardless of the fact that he was the greatest of all time, there were those who worshipped him. There were those who didn't worship him but recognized him as a good player. There were those who didn't like him. They hated him. There's a, a great hatred. And, and remember, this is the GOAT. And then there were some who thought he was a bum. And then there were those, uh, uh, there, the, the cohort of people who thought he was a cheater. You know, so the fact of the matter is, even at the very apex and the top of your game, there's never a universal love. I can't think of anyone for whom there's a universal love. Put in the comment section 
if there's someone for whom there's a universal love. Okay, Betty White, all right, good. Okay, we settled that. But aside from Betty White, who, for whom has there just been a universal love for someone who is at the top of their game? It's very, very rare. It's unheard of. In terms of being a leader, I was at the top of my game, and then suddenly you're out. On some level, on many levels, I'm, I'm really okay with that. The challenges, eh, challenges isn't the right word. The crap that comes along with it, uh, no one misses the crap. Tom Brady's not going to miss the crap. Uh, great people who are at the top of their game, they don't miss the crap. Uh, I have a great admiration for President Obama. I think he was a good man. He was a smart man. He was a visionary and at any, on any given day, half of the world hated him. But he was at the top of his game. Don't, if you don't think he misses it, you're wrong. Everybody misses it. But you don't miss the crap. Uh, if you, you could sit President Obama down or a Tom Brady down and say, uh, do you miss the work? Do you miss the game? Do you miss the challenge, the adrenaline, the the successes and even some of the failures they'll all say yes i miss it every day uh, do you miss the process yes do you miss the crap <laughs> no one's going to say yes to that no one misses the crap so you know as you look back from the canvas of retirement because i'm still not convinced that this isn't a, a like being knocked down on the canvas and, and, and you're trying to, you know, get back up. Uh, the view from the canvas is that you miss the work, you miss the people, most of the people. You miss uh, the challenges, the successes, the good times, even some of the bad times. Because if you're really good at what you do, you rise to challenges and bad times. You don't run from them. You don't, uh, you know take leave from them. You, you stand up and you look them in the eye and you show up the next day. Um, but you don't miss the crap. But what I miss most of all and what I struggle with most of all are the tools. Because I spent a long time sharpening and developing tools. The tools of leadership. The tools of being a CEO. The tools of, just at its basic level, being a high school principal. The tools of of, um, you know, being at the top and serving. You develop and sharpen those tools over time. You create new tools. You add to your toolbox. And at the apex of your career or when you're leaving, whichever comes first, um, you take those tool, that toolbox with you. And, 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 and I don't know if I'm describing it well, but you sit around in retirement and you just look at that toolbox and go, I'm not using it. I'm not using it. There it is. There's that toolbox sitting there on the ground. And um, a lot of blood, sweat, tears, and tuition money <laughs> went into developing the tools inside that toolbox. And there it sits. That's what I think is the hardest of all. And if I could just be so bold as to step inside the mind of Tom Brady just for a second, that's what he's struggling with. He's got all these tools. Now, his thing is a physical thing. And so, you know, uh, 
Father Time always wins. And so he's got to take the physical part into account. What I did, you can do, you know, lying on a gurney. I mean, not really, but you know what I'm saying. I've got a bad right knee, but I could be a principal assistant superintendent or superintendent tomorrow with my bad knee and all. Yeah, Tom doesn't have that luxury, and I get that. But nonetheless, if 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 you're sitting in the same type of chair that I'm sitting in, looking up from the can the re- canvas of retirement, like I'm looking up, you identify with somebody who has uh, developed all these tools and all these skills. They're at the top of their game, and now there's that toolbox, and it's just sitting there. And that's really hard. And you want to pick it up and put it to use again. And so I get the retirement, the not retirement, the retirement, the not retirement. True confession, you know, I applied for my reciprocal um, admin credential in the state of New Mexico. Am I going to go back to work? I don't think so. But that need to utilize that box of tools that you so painstakingly created and developed over the years, it haunts you. And so I think applying for my credential was just a way of saying, okay, I did something. Now, what do I want to do? I, I, you know, I don't know. Um, I don't want to unretire. I don't want to Tom Brady this thing. I don't want to Rob Gronkowski or Brett Favre this thing. (laughs) For that matter, even Magic Johnson this thing, you know, he was in and out too. I don't want to do that. And going back to work full time is almost untenable because I've, the way the Dale family is constructed in the state of New Mexico, I need to be available. Uh, take Joe to and from school. Take Joe to and from tennis practice. Take Joe to and from cello. Um, I need to, you know, be available uh, for other volunteer uh, aspects that I'll get into. So for me to go back to work full time, we'd have to totally retool our family dynamic from from bottom up and top to bottom, to quote Michael Scott. Um, So that's a huge thing, and I'm aware of that. But there are other opportunities. There are uh, things that you can do that are are just um, a portion of it. You know, a lot of professional athletes do it. They they go into broadcasting. They go into coaching. They go into uh, management or ownership. They... You know, they go into other opportunities in the same game to utilize those same tools. John Elway did it, right? John Elway went from quarterback to exec. Um, and, and, and many have done it. And so, you know, that, I, I mull those things over too. So, you know, I, I, it's just the topic I wanted to talk about today is that toolbox. And, and it's just sitting there. And that's what is so hard. Not that you can't live without the game. You can't live without the applause, the adrenaline, the adoration, the adulation. It's not that you can't live without that. You can. It, in, in, in Manhattan Beach, I was, I don't know what the correct term is, but it was like local famous, right? In the town of Manhattan Beach. And my wife would always say, you'll never quit the game because you can't quit the fame. And... I would always tell her that's not true. And as it turns out, it kind of is not true. I'm okay. I'm, and as I said in the earlier podcast, I'm okay just being a guy walking around in the world. I'm perfectly comfortable in my own skin. 
I don't need to go to the grocery store and be recognized. I don't need to go to a restaurant and be recognized. I don't need to go down to the Strand if there was a Strand in Albuquerque and be recognized. I, I, I don't need that. I'm okay getting in my car and going to the store and buying groceries and, you know, being cordial to people who I interact with, but just being relatively and generally unknown. I'm fine with that. Um, not being able to live without the fame is not what caused me to stay in the game. I, I was cool with it. But what I'm not cool with is having a skill set that's being not used. So I'm dealing with that. Um, Michael Irvin talked about for guys like Tom Brady, there's no uh, next level. That, that he's, he's achieved that level uh, on, on the top of the heap at the apex of his career, and there's really no next level. And then he said, but if there's a, you know, if the, if the Buccaneers come out three and four uh, and he returns like Willis Reed in the Knicks, but that the analogy is not quite the same because – it was the same game, but I get what Michael Irvin is trying to say. If he pulls a Willis Reed, steps into this phone booth and comes out with a cape on and comes back and uh, after you know after seven games they're three and four and he leads them to the playoffs and a Super Bowl victory, okay, no one's ever done that. That is next level. What's the likelihood of that? This is very slim. If he doesn't start the season, he's done. But that whole idea of being called back. That's a real thing too. And I do think about that. Um, call back to where and what, I don't know. But you do think about the notion of coming out of retirement to help an organization that's struggling. And you walk in and say, hey, I'm here to serve. Let's go to work. We can just get this done. Let's fix what needs fixing and Support what needs supporting, what needs continued support, and, and let's get this done together. And then all of a sudden your toolbox is open and you're slinging wrenches around. And the, the idea of that's very romantic to me. And, and I, uh, who knows if it ever happens. If it does, it does. If it doesn't, you know, I know I, I know it doesn't sound like it sometimes, but retirement's pretty great and I'm happy. But there are things that gnaw at you. Uh, what have I been doing in the last two, two and a half months? Well, I've been traveling. Um, of course, you you travel, and uh, I've been back to LA a couple times, and that's been great. You know, you're you really know who your friends are uh, when you leave. And uh, I've been uh, up to see my daughter Katie at the U, and my son CJ at the Air Force Academy. I've done a couple trips to Roswell to see Jake at uh, New Mexico Military Institute, and. So I've done a little bit of traveling. It was my wife Michelle's 50th birthday recently. We went to Hawaii, you know, and being able just to go to Hawaii, that doesn't that doesn't suck, right? And, uh, you know, you're always trying to see old friends. You're out in Hawaii, and I saw Bev Rohr, who's a Dr. Rohr, who's a legend in Manhattan Beach, and, and we went to the island where she retired to. How about that for retirement, you know? Met some friends of hers. Uh, and she talks about golfing two days a week. There's a, where she lives, there's a golf course that literally runs parallel to her street on both sides of the street. And so 
you know, she's figured it out and seems really happy. And, you know, Bev is Bev and she's, she's just full of life and effervescent in, in, in every way and just so kind and generous and cordial. But for the little bit of time we spent talking about work, you could see it, you could see the switch switch back on and she turned back into Dr. Rohr and started talking in a, in a educated, professional, intelligent way about, you know, the state of things in our business. And that was really interesting to see that just sort of that mantle just settle back on her. And it's also encouraging that, that that's something that happens and you're retired and you're running around and you're, 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 you're feeling free and easy. And suddenly the work calls or, or you put yourself back in a work situation, how that can just come back. And, you, and that toolbox doesn't go away. You don't lose it. It doesn't diminish. And you can knock the rust off of it pretty fast, uh, almost immediate. I've uh, done some, uh, oh, I've been to a couple concerts. I went and saw Dirk Bentley and Brad Paisley, great artists. I uh, tried to go up and see my favorite band, Sunvolt. That's Sun, S-O-N, Sunvolt, two words. Uh, great band. Uh, I tried to go see them up in Salt Lake, but uh, their show got canceled due to COVID. Um, luckily, I went up there to see Katie and take her to the concert. So when there was no concert, we just went to dinner and hung out and had a great time. Uh, I've done some projects. I've talked about projects around the house. I don't know if on the previous podcast I talked about the shelves I built. I built shelves. What you need to know about the shelves is they're straight and they hold up. Um, and, they, and I, you know, painted them and hung them and there's not uh, hammer pock marks all over the walls. They actually look pretty decent. And, and I've had some uh, handyman types in the house and pointed out my shelves and they all kind of you know, make that impressed face and nod their head and go, well, you know, you know, kind of like a, kind of like a, uh, a De Niro face. Uh, you know, uh, those are pretty good. So they're impressed. Um, I winterized my grass. If I talked about this on a previous podcast, I apologize, but I, I, I've never winterized grass. So I did that and, and, uh, it was harder than I thought it would be. Uh, it took a couple days for my back to recover from that. Of course, I've been writing, 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 uh, I'm writing uh, a book on my time as principal at Miracosta. Uh, at least the first draft is uh, uh, brutally honest. I don't know how honest I can be. Uh, there's still a lot of people around from back home or back in Manhattan Beach. Um, and uh, so I don't know how honest I can be about the particular names of people involved in situations. But it's sure fun to write this draft and just just write it raw, um, and not pull any punches. I don't know if I can publish such a thing. I'll have to see. Well, I'm going to let some close confidants read it and get their opinion. And, and, um, you know, it could go either way. You know, sometimes you give things like that to people and they go, wow, you know, on the honest truth is so refreshing. And, and this is also fascinating a behind the scenes. Look at some of the crazy, uh, amazing and controversial things that happened. Been writing a lot of music. Um, pretty much have album six written for Truck Stop and just, you know, trying to get the money together and trying to get the boys together to get in the studio and get it done. But 
the, the delay and the tension from the delay is causing me to continue to write and rewrite and the songs are getting better. So maybe, you know, uh, the time isn't right to go back, but, uh, I, you know, our last release was 2020. So, uh, we usually release it. We would try anyway to release every two to three years, uh, something new. So I'd like to get back in and do that. Uh, I did some volunteering. Uh, I've been volunteering on a small, small scale, small, small scale with uh, uh, the Scouts, the Boy Scouts of BSA. And, of course, at the uh, Albuquerque Youth Symphony where Joe uh, plays cello. Uh, That's kind of waned because of some changes uh, in my life. But uh, the Balloon Fiesta was a big volunteer opportunity that I did. And, and that was fun. You know, I had the 4 a.m. to 8 a.m. shift, which, I, you know, in my head, I'm still 30 years old. And so at 55, uh, it's a little bit harder. But I did volunteer Bloom Fiesta, and that was a blast. I've never done it before. And Bloom Fiesta is amazing. If you're in October, the, if you're in Albuquerque the first week of October, highly encourage you to go to Bloom Fiesta. It's really fun. And um, but I don't know if I'll do it again. We'll see. But the big big thing that happened to me is um, in my uh, church, congregational leaders are called bishops. And my wife had always joked that when you retire, you're going to end up being a bishop. And uh, sure enough, I got called in by our stake president who said that he had approval from Salt Lake to call me as a bishop, which um, once you get to this level of leadership in the church, it's always shocking when... In, a meeting starts off with, I, I, I'd like to read you this letter from Salt Lake. Uh, that, that's never happened to me before. The last time I read a letter from Salt Lake was when I did the two-year uh, missionary church service in, in East L.A. in the Ar- Arcadia Spanish Mission. But um, So that, speaking of the toolbox, that has been an opportunity for me on a church-centered volunteer level to utilize those uh, leadership and executive skills and um, management skills that you create and sharpen in your um, occupational toolbox. And so that, that's been great because now as, you know, being, being a bishop on an ecclesiastical level is remarkably similar to being a, a, a principal. And so uh, the similarities, there's a lot of them. And so it's been nice to be able to uh, be able to serve, and I emphasize serve in a leadership capacity again. Uh, there are a lot of rewards in being a bishop. You get to really help people, people who are in need, both in a temporal sense, um, who are uh, down on their luck and they're having hard times and I have a lot of resources at my disposal to help people. And then on a spiritual level, it's nice to be able to help people and make them feel better about themselves and and their relationship to our maker. And uh, not to get overly religious, but I had no idea uh, how much someone in that capacity can really help people. And it's the helping people that fuels me. And, and I'm realizing uh, after the fact that it was the helping people as a principal that fueled me and being able to serve someone 
who uh, has a need is is always uh, fulfilling for me, um, much more than any other parts of the job. And that that ability to step in with somebody and be able to provide them or open up accesses to open up access to resources to make their lives better, and in the principal sense to make their education experience better, in the ecclesiastical sense to help make their lives better, make their situation better. Being a leader and, and doing leadership the right way, that should always be payment enough, is, is that you elevate people's lives in whatever capacity you're serving in. And so for all of you out there who are working, and hopefully you continue to do that, but looking at retirement, uh, if you can find a way to continue to elevate other people's lives, I promise you, you'll find fulfillment in whatever you decide to do. So that's it for today. I thank you for listening in. Uh, our upcoming episodes, I'm going to try to uh, corral some of my friends who are either contemplating retirement or newly retired to see if they'll come on with me and talk about it. So we'll, we'll course, we'll take a, a shift in our course in that direction on future episodes. But for now, uh, thank you for listening. And again, my name is Dr. Ben Dale, and I have a fear of retirement.